Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 1234 in Edmonton. You know, we were talking a bit about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Four even strength points. I mentioned yesterday that the combination of Buffalo, now they've only played 10 games, but the combination of Jeff Skinner making like $9 million a year, $10 million a year for uh, Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall in on a one-year deal, uh, $8 million a year, one even strength goal combined between the first uh, between those three guys, twenty seven million bucks total, first ten games. Nuge is at like two and two, two goals, two assists, and even strength, playing with Connor McDavid. And again, he's going to go through a stretch at some point. I don't know what's going to happen, but he will go through a stretch where he's going to get say thirteen or fourteen points over a ten game run because that he's he's kind of been like that. I remember even when he played with Red Deer. After RNH got cut by the World Junior team, this was before uh, he was drafted. So that would have been in the two, it would have been for the 2011 World Junior team, but it would have been the 10-11 season. Uh, right after he got 24 points in the next five games for the Red Deer Rebels. So he he does have these sort of runs, and we've witnessed it before where he's had the big games. He hasn't really had one yet this year. He has had some terrific games in Montreal, but a texter goes, Bob, I'd just like to point out that Nugent Hopkins is third on the Oilers in goals and points. Amongst the forwards, he is, because you, you forgot to add Darnell Nurse, who's at 5, 6, and 11. You can text us at 780-496-0063 on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, keep texting us throughout the course of the day. Uh, Michael, Texas show to say, Bob, no one-timer was Jordan Everly's biggest problem. I don't know how many times he held on to the puck to take a wrist shot. You rewind the play, and if uh, the puck would have left his stick with a one-timer, the goalie was not in position, the puck would have been in the net. On this date, would have been uh, five years ago today, Connor McDavid set up Jordan Everly for his first career hat trick. Oilers beat the Maple Leafs. Final score in that game was 5-2. to two. And uh, McDavid had a chance for an empty net. Puck was uh, right in front of the Toronto bench at the blue line, and he chipped it over. He could have easily fired it into the empty net himself and said he chipped it over to uh, uh, Jordan Everly. So Everly got his first career hat trick. 12.35, want to tell you, 
The guests on the show receive guest certificates too. Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. And uh, momentarily, we'll hook up with Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers. He is our Oilers now headliner today for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Will Hawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K. Today, Brendan, just let me know when the package has arrived. I'll continue pounding away at uh, text throughout the course of the day here. Um, this text comes in saying, I see similarities between R&H and Sean Monahan." with uh, scoring issues so far this season. To be honest with you, I haven't watched the Flames enough. I've only seen Calgary play three complete games, and one was obviously against the Oilers, a 6-4 victory. I didn't know that Monaghan was having, uh, you know, so-so even-strength scoring here. All right, Louis DeBrus joins us right now uh, from NHL Hockey on Rogers again. He is our headliner today for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. Hello, Louis. How are you doing? Hey, Bob. How are you doing? How's, how's your day going? Well, it's not going to be quite the same. We, Brian Burke's been kind enough to join us uh, for his, his last hit on our show for Canadian Power Pack. We had, a, you know, we had truculent Thursday going with uh, yourself, <laughs> Brian Burke, and George LaRock. So I got to ask you: we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. Yeah. Who, who would you prefer fighting between Berkey and uh, and George LaRock <laughs> if you had to? Well, you know what. Um... That's a good question because I never have actually seen Berkey fight, but I know he was a, a pugilist back in the day, and he didn't mind dropping the gloves and getting involved. So I know he was very willing. Um, but Berkey's also one of those guys, when he takes it to an extreme, it goes to an extreme. So you might get off a little easier with George, maybe. He might just pound you a little bit and then leave you there. Whereas Berkey, <laughs> he might actually dig the hole, too. Like, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that might finish it right off. But, you know, listen, George was the heavyweight champ for a long time. Um, he's obviously a formidable guy, and you, you have to be aware of that. But, you know, I think he just was so good at his balance, he would chuck you around a little more. And then he, he was a pretty honest guy, though. You have to look at it that way. He never really was a dirty player ever in his career. He was just always very, very honest. He was just super tough and big, right? But, uh, yeah, I'd probably, I still think I'd probably take Berkey just because I might have a better chance there. But there's a little bit of an unknown there that you have to be worried about. Uh, suffice to say, a loss for your entity, NHL Hockey on Rogers. I mean, he was a pretty special guy in that panel. Yeah, he was. You know what? And he was, uh, you know, he was really direct, which I which I loved about Berkey. He always has a great opinion on things, and he's very solid in that opinion. doesn't doesn't waver from it. Um, listen, he's he's connected. He, he he talks to a lot of people around the league, and you could kind of get the feeling that he just. You know, that was really where he rightfully should be in management somewhere in the National Hockey League. That's been a job that he's had for years. I think it translated well into media form, though. I think, you know, for him stepping in there and, and doing what he did, I, I mean, I always uh, take my hat off to players, ex-players, coaches, general managers, whoever wants to change positions in the hockey world. It, it's always not as seamless as people think it is. You have to do the work. You have to put the time in. And obviously, Berkey did do that and uh, was a great partner. I've worked with him a couple of times. We worked a couple of drafts together. We had a blast. We had a great time. And I've always felt that Berkey's had a real, for me, you know, and I've told you this story before, when I was looking for my own deal around the National Hockey League, I would call general managers myself, and I would, you know, you know, give them a call and see if they had an opportunity there for me. And Brian Burke was always one of the guys that always got back to me. He always called me back. He never gave me a job, by the way. But you know what? I always fully respected the fact that he took time to make the call. 
get on the phone with me. And it wasn't just a one-minute call, like, hey, sorry, I don't have anything for you. He would pick my brain, talk to me a little bit. He's just a good guy, and he really does care for his players. I think he's one of those guys that cares immensely for the people that are in his organization. And uh, he was no different on Sportsnet. He was always a very genuine, friendly guy. So he'll be missed. No question, he'll be missed. And I wish him nothing but the best. So I hope he has a terrific career. And uh, just not against the Bruins, all right? You know, take it easy on those Bruins. Yeah, uh, we were we were talking. A texter had complimented me, uh, which I don't usually. I, I try to even them up, even though to be frank, uh, the the negative texts to the positive texts on the show most days are about ten percent negative and ninety. People are generally pretty supportive. They love the team. They love the city. They realize the various. They they believe that the energy sector has played a massive part in the success of the province of Alberta and respect the fact, like the team's called the Oilers. They respect the fact that we have time for the. The, the people in some of those industries that are hurting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, where I'm going to go with this is, so the individual took time to say, you know, Bob, you were pushing for Bouchard and pushing for Bouchard. You, you, you know, I, I don't know why. And the guy goes, I don't know why I just don't listen to you because you're right more than you're wrong. I've been wrong lots, Louie. But I, there there was there was a, a father who I once looked at. Just you're, You brought up Jake. And I know we had a comical exchange because you were, when Jake was playing Mitch at AAA, at that time, you and Cindy weren't sure Jake was going to be uh, capable of playing in the Western Hockey League, let alone the NHL, were you? No. You know, and that's uh, that's just being honest. You know, I, I mean, and I have to admit to you, I mean, I think every parent has dreams and illusions and, you know, they... You know, any any child in any respective walk of life, you want nothing but the best for them. You want them to go as far as they can possibly go in that respective field. And it doesn't matter what it is. If they love it and they're passionate about it, as parents, that's all we ever want. So that's really the way Cindy and I approached it was, okay, we're going to try and help him get as far as he wants to get in this or can get in this, and uh, we'll be supportive in any way we can be. But, you know, I being in this world for as long as I have been, the hockey world that is, I understand how difficult it is to make it to the National Hockey League. It's how difficult it is to make it to the WHL or the CHL in general. How difficult it is to play college hockey. I mean, you're talking about the elite of the elite in the respective field. It gets narrowed down every single year to smaller and smaller percentages, and to stay in that elite percentage is, it's very, very difficult. So, I didn't, I didn't, you know, for any time sit there and say, you know, my kid's going to the NHL. All I knew is that he had a good hockey sense. He loved the game. Never had to drag him out of bed at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to a hockey practice ever. School may be a little different at times, but but as far as hockey, it never had to drag him out of bed for hockey. And so, you know, for me, it was just about trying to provide that, you know, support. And, you know, Cindy did the same thing. My wife was very instrumental in that. She, for the most part, when I was on the road, was the one taking him to practices, taking him to games, you know, was that uh, year that he could listen to things that he needed to talk about. And you know what? Um, it's really difficult at that young age to say that anything is going to happen five, ten years down the road. And that's how we approached it. You know, it's interesting because that was the 12-13 season. We, we were in the lockout, so we didn't. there was no NHL games going on. Uh, the American League was taking place. 
But I, I, that was a real strong Bantam AAA year in the province of Alberta. Jake was playing yep. midget, midget triple, and the talk was, you know, Tyler Benson out of the Southside Athletic Club. And mm-hmm. Stuart, Skinner, Stuart Skinner was on that team. David Quenville was on those that team. All three of those kids ended up getting drafted, uh, one in the second, Benson, one in the third, uh, Skinner. And they'd play Sherwood Park, and Carter Hart and Sam Steele were on that team. And I saw them play. I saw, And, and so those games used to be on Sunday night. Your, uh, Jake's games used to be to be on Saturday. And all I could think of when I went and saw Jake play was he was always in the right spots in the ice. He was competitive. I'm sitting there thinking he's going to get bigger and he's smart. And I thought of all the things that I wasn't. <laughs> I don't know where he got the hockey smarts from. I can tell you that. Uh, anyhow. It wasn't for me. I just, I, if apl- I was smart, I yeah. probably would have tried to score more goals and play the game a little bit more. But, yeah, you know what? I mean, those are, that's what I said, too. You know, you, you and I talked at the right the one day, I mean, watching Jake, and I said, you know, listen, he's got great hockey IQ. He, he has a nose for knowing where to go around the net, and he's determined to go to the net. That's the most yeah. important thing is that he would go to the dirty areas. And he was a small guy, so he, he got punished for it, but he was willing to take that punishment to score a goal. And then he grew and, and yep. got up to become a normal-sized player. And I, I just remember reading Moneyball, and the thing that stuck out the most was Billy Bean knew why he failed. Why, despite the fact that he was supposed to be a, you know, a five-tool uh, guy in baseball, it didn't come to fruition for him. And he could see certain strategies that could help keep a team that didn't have a lot of money, the Oakland A's, competitive uh, during that time. Like, you know, Connor McDavid... Is he's he's that it's not even a one percent with McDavid. Like it's he's at zero point zero two five percent of just sheer brilliance, right? We know that no, about him. That's an exception, though. You know, and those are the players yeah. that are the exception to the rule. But and even saying that, and, and and listen, there's guys that we thought were that sure of a bet over the course of the. Yep history of this game and in our time in this game and it didn't pan out you know it just doesn't pan out that way and like i said it it, a lot of things have to go right a lot of things have to go right from the player's perspective too they have to take advantage of those opportunities when they get them and you have to make good on those opportunities and it doesn't always happen that way and that's just the reality of life and especially in the hockey world it's a real cutthroat world and we're seeing that more this year i think bob than ever you know, in the sense that you have the taxi squad, there's a lot of different players that can be injected yep. into the lineup. Coaches have more at their disposal, and we're seeing that being used by a lot of teams this year where even players that go in there and play well, they might think for a different matchup and a different team, there might be somebody else that can provide something better for the team to win. And, you know, my old-school mentality, I was, you know, just scratching my head going, why? How can Sheldon Keith pull guys out of the lineup that had a goal and assist in the game before? Well, you know what? He felt that had to keep certain guys in the lineup and had to get guys in the rotation, and it's just the way that they're going to do business this year. And I think I have to really uh, commend the players. I think they've accepted that. They understand that they're not always going to be in the lineup some nights. You know, Louis, it's funny. Uh, when I think of a couple t- top four overall picks that Edmontonians are very familiar with, so if you had seen Griffin Reinhardt, the year Edmonton won the Memorial Cup in the 13-14 season. Granted, it was, you know, he got drafted fourth overall in 2012. But during the 13-14 season, in his first 35 games, the Edmonton Oil Kings went 30-5. and And then they sh- they shut down, I think it was Owen Sound that year in the OHL final. Completely shut them down. If you had seen him at that time and told me that he was not going to find a way to play 
as at minimum. I mean, Craig Button, guy we all respect, he thought the Oilers should consider moving their pick in 2014, that third overall pick to the Islanders for Griffin Reinhardt. That's and that, you know I remember he said that on our show. Maybe they have to look at doing something like that to get their defenseman. And you could so he didn't figure it out. And you know we're not sure about Pulleyarvi tonight. Sounds precautionary. So let's just wait and see. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. But he I, took you a look pretty at, good shot from Zaitsev in the game. Remember yes, he hit from yeah, behind the he, net. He, he took a pretty he, good shot there. Right. He shrugged it off, but you never know. Sometimes you have those injuries that just manifest over the course of sure. four hours, and they just don't go away. And now, but the point I was going to make was I'm stunned at how he's figured it out this season. Like, we're 15 games into the season, Louie, and, and I thought, hey, maybe he'd be, you know, it'd be good for him to stay in the third line and, you know, gets a regular shift. And But he's progressed way beyond, and it's because he's done those little things. I'm circling back to what Jake did. That's what Jesse has done at the NHL. He's been ultra-competitive, relentless on the forecheck. It's, it's been yeah. quite a thing to watch, hasn't it? It has, you know, and, I, and I'll and i admit myself, I had to change some of my opinions of the player because when I first saw him play, and, and listen, we don't, we don't always know exactly what's going on inside the dressing room. We never really do. There's a lot of things that are still we still guess at in this business. But, you know, all we get to base our evaluation off is what we see, what we see in practice, what we see on a day-to-day basis, what we see on the ice, our conversations with those respective players, what they personally tell us. And, yes, we see media, you know, Zoom calls and conference calls and all this kind of stuff and huddles that will take in and listen to how they're talking and how they're, um, what they feel their game is at. But it's, it's a different player. And I just think it's a real cautionary tale for young players and for, for organizations when they have young players that maybe don't pan out right away. You have to understand that everybody has a different timeline to make it and, and be their best. And for Yessa, he needed to go back. He needed to go back to his home country where he was comfortable. He's very he's worked on his English, which he's talked about. He's more comfortable here because of that. But his game, he went and worked on his game. And that's the most important thing. Really, when you boil it down, you have to go and work on things that are going to make you successful. And that is working at a, at a higher speed, getting more minutes of play, maturing and getting stronger, getting more stable on your skates. Listen, I, I and I don't mean this. I don't mean this in a negative way. But he was kind of like a big Bambi on the ice when he first got to the NHL. And I'll, I'll even say Leon Draisaitl had a little bit of that when he first came in the league too. You could see the skill, you could see the size, the vision. But you know what? He was getting knocked off of pucks, and you know he didn't have that stability on his legs because every single day you're pushing yourself to a limit that you're not used to. And I went through it as a player, and every player does go through it. Some players adjust to it easier than others, but I find that sometimes the bigger guys take a little more time to learn how to use that size and strength at this level because you're dealing with the strongest, most physical players in the game. It's a whole different animal out there. What did Leon Dreisaitl do? He went back. He put the work in. I remember seeing videos of him pushing sleds, pulling sleds um, with Simon Bennett, you know, doing all that kind of stuff to work on his core, work on his leg strength, and look at him now. He is by far, in my opinion, the best player at protecting a puck under pressure with players all over top of him, and he will find a way to make a play through those players. Incredible that he can do that. One of the few players in the game that can. Yes, a Arby also has that ability. He has that ability because he's so big. He can use that size to protect the puck. And now we're seeing him start to make those little plays in tight. And I just, I, you know, for me, I kind of smile when I see that because there's a player 
that would have got knocked off that puck two years ago, would have had that puck stolen. Now he's protecting. Now he's pushing back. Now he's bracing himself for those hits, and he's making plays. And listen, he's been snake bitten. Let's face it, he should have way more points than he has right now. But that seems to be the trend with players. They start to get those high-quality chances on a more regular basis because of the work they're putting in on the forecheck, the work they're putting in on the back check, going to the dirty areas in the front of the net and battling big defensemen. And now the points are starting to come for him a little bit. And, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to play tonight. I know it's kind of one of those 50-50 things where they're going to evaluate him throughout the day. James Neal looks like he might step into the right side there on the McDavid line tonight. But I like what Yesapoli Yarby's done. And, uh, there's only one thing you can do. Take your hat off to him because he went and put the work in, and now he's he, he's playing a regular shift in the NHL, which is what he wanted to do. Louis, we've only got about a minute left here. I'm just going to circle back. Defense, they take uh, you know they take longer. We're watching. I'm not even going to get you to comment on Bouchard and Legacy. But in your draft yeah. year, if I recall correctly, Adam Bennett, who had a cup of coffee with the Oilers, he went like six overall, and the Oilers took Jason Soul's 15th. He never even played an NHL game. Bennett played under 70, 70 games. Those guys were in your league in the OHL. Did you think those guys were first-round picks? when you were playing against him? Yeah, you know what? I fought Bennett actually in junior. And, uh, you know, he was. He was a beast. He played for the Sudbury Wolves. And he, you know, if you look, just go back and look at his stats. I don't know exactly what they are. But he was he was kind of one of those defensemen that did everything. You know, he yeah. put up points. He was solid. He would drop the gloves and scrap. Um, as a tough guy, and I was a pretty tough guy in the OHL back then, when I... When I played against him, I knew this guy was somebody he had to, to, to worry about. It wasn't like, you know, listen, you, you sweated it a little bit. He was 6'4", over 200 pounds. When you're a junior player, you're like, okay, you know what? This guy can throw him. He's a pretty tough guy. For me, I always thought it was a good exchange if I could get him off the ice because he played a lot of minutes. But yep. you know what? Um, and that's kind of how I looked at it. It didn't matter really what happened to the fight for me. I mean, yes, I was a tough guy there, and I'm expected to win that fight, but I didn't really care because I was taken off a very valuable defenseman. But listen, he didn't pan out the way he was projected. And that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. And and for Souls, you know, there was another guy that had the big big frame, you know, could play a real power forward type of positional game, but had skills and just... Like I said before, it is just because you've been drafted, just because you've been signed by a team doesn't mean anything. And that's something that for all the young players out there, I know a lot of young minor hockey players right now are missing some really valuable time on the ice with their teams and games and all that. Junior players, you know, it's it's a real trying time for young players in the game right now. And just understand that it's okay. You know, you're going to pick up where you left off. You're going to work on your skills the best you can right now and do what you can that that is available to you right now. When you get back into the games, you're going to be so excited to be back in there playing. Um, You'll go right back to being where you're supposed to be. It's all going to work out, and that's kind of what I'm going to say. Sometimes it's going to work out, sometimes it's not, but you have to approach it like it's going to work out every day. You have to continue to move forward and work on your game and try and get better. And listen, like I said, it's going to take a lot of luck to get to that final place and be a regular. Just to get there is one thing. To stay there for a long period of time is an entirely different animal. But you know what? The process for everybody is different. Just do the best that you can do. All right, Louie, great stuff. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Oilers Now.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, give Burke your hard time for me, right? Uh, I will see. 12.55 at Edmonton. We'll take a quick timeout. This is Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. 12.57 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. We're going to go to the Oilers Now Injury Report. It's brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Do want to mention James H. Brown is also involved in an initiative where for every goal the Oilers score this year, they will be donating $100 to the 630 Chad Santa's anonymous campaign. Great stuff. Here's Brendan Escott back at the 630 Chad Studios. We will tell you this. Yes, a Poliarvi listed as precautionary. Not listed. Just uh, today, Dave Tippett saying precautionary. Obviously, Cassian back in Edmonton. Um, he is out. Uh, we didn't actually get an update on Baron Haas, but I would suggest unlikely to see them play. What else you got, Brendan? Uh, Canadians uh, got uh, Joel Armia back from a concussion last night, so they are completely clean health-wise. Uh, Predators head coach John Hines saying that both Matthias Ekholm and Ryan Johansson are now week-to-week. Ekholm's injury undisclosed. Johansson has an upper body injury. And Columbus activated uh, goaltender Elvis Merzlikens off the IR. He will back up Jonas Corpusallo tonight. Got a lot of time for Elvis Merz-Leachkins, uh, Merz along with Tristan Jari. I wonder what happens with Pittsburgh here. They're going to go for it. Well, maybe we'll get a bit of an idea. Brian Burke coming up for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar after a global news weather traffic update. Kevin Robertson. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.